listeners. Welcome to Reviving Her with Jackie Crawley. Here at Reviving Her, we pride ourselves with coming together as the body of Christ to receive encouragement from our Heavenly Father to reignite the holy fire within us to advance His kingdom on earth. Hey listeners, welcome to Reviving Her podcast. This season, we are digging deep on surrender. Last episode, we shared how our very first step of surrendering to Christ begins with our salvation story. As mentioned on episode one, we have the privilege and honor from hearing from our very first special guest star, and her name is Ladavia. This special guest star is very dear and near to my heart because she is my best friend. And I am so excited for you guys to get to know her and love her just as much as I do. When you meet her face to face, it's very hard not to fall in love with her. So today, get ready as we get to dig deep in her story. And so... I, when we, for, for us to begin, I wanted us to um, start by, I wanted to ask you, what is your definition of surrendering to Christ? Ooh, uh, my definition of surrender um, would be foregoing what I think it's supposed to look like and asking God to lead the way and prune, correct, direct as he sees fit. Um, Forsaking perfection and understanding that every day, every moment, we have to choose Christ. Surrendering is me actively laying down my logical, analytical take on something and choosing faith, choosing to abide, yield, wait, and trust Him. Wow, that was an incredible definition. And I'm so excited for you to teach us how you have lived out this definition in your everyday. Can you tell us about your story and how it has led you to surrender to our Almighty God? I can. Um, So for me, my very first surrender was a step of faith that I had no idea was considered surrender until praying about what God wanted me to share um, on the podcast. Um, I was a granny and papa's baby, and I knew that they had my back no matter what. They loved me unconditionally and spoke all of my love languages, snuggles, words, food, you name it. (laughs) My mom wasn't the cuddly, affectionate type, but she did make a way for me to have um, up until her life changed. And the man she was with for 10 years left her, and she had an identity crisis and fell into a depression. Man, that sounds like it was hard. It was during that time... um, that things shifted for real. I was in the fourth grade, maybe fifth, uh, where I was able to play with friends or spend the night with someone other than my grandparents. Growing up in Texas, I occasionally went to church. Um, we used to go when we were younger with my mom um, to one of our older cousins' church, but it wasn't understandable for me. Uh, it just seemed like the thing you do because no one around me actively had a relationship with God outside of praying when someone dies. I remember my great-grandmother teaching me the prayer in the Bible, but that's all I knew outside of the Ten Commandments that was hanging on everyone's wall. (laughs) Um, We stopped going, and then I got a bit older. I occasionally would go with my dad's side, 
but I still remember searching for acceptance, um, hope, love, figuring out things. Um, I know my mom did the best she could in and of herself, but out of her brokenness, passed on generational cycles, and out of my dad's brokenness, his pimp lifestyle, um, both of them not knowing how to be the affectionate type parents, I would lash out with a smart mouth towards both of them. And I took on the cycle of turning to food for comfort and just not knowing um, how to cling to the proper thing, if that makes sense. That um, makes totally sense. Oh, okay. Escape <laughs> uh, definitely was riding my bike outside with a tape player in the front basket, just jamming out. That was my form of release. Um, and then going... Which you still jam out I, as yeah, your release. <laughs> I totally do. Then I would go into the house, um, and this is not every time, but I often, as I think back, I oftentimes remember me like being on the side of this white dresser in my room, um, wondering if I was really loved or cared about or just crying. I remember wishing I was no longer here and not knowing why or how I had been dealt the cards I had been dealt. Um, I would struggle with suicidal thoughts. Um, and I remember like having a bag packed under my bed uh, for when it was time to run away. Okay. Wow. I had a diary growing up and I often found myself writing in it, wishing um, to be taken away from this world or that my parents would at, or at least be taken away from my parents. Um, so that I didn't have to be with them anymore. My mom was verbally abusive, and I really do believe that I was wired with a sensitive but big heart, and so my identity was all types of loss. In return for the feeling of being overlooked, abandoned emotionally, I would steal money and food from whoever or wherever, um, friends, families, or people who would leave stuff in the laundry mat in the <laughs> apartments, whoever. Um, I just remember doing that. Um, as early as maybe six or seven, um, I was taken advantage of sexually, abused on numerous occasions by cousins, family, uh, friends, or even friends of friends, and later found myself um, sexually involved in a few relationships uh, that were not... Um, I would say, you know, for me. Um, and these cousins and family friends were males and females. Um, I had no sense of living a life for God because living a surrendered life for Jesus, one of holiness and being made in his image daily wasn't anywhere to be found around me. Um, so that's like my childhood in a nutshell. Um, I had like one friend amongst the others in high school who walked out their faith daily beyond Sunday that I would stay the night with and go to church. Um, I even dabbled in Buddhism for like a month, uh, but my soul wouldn't settle there. Mm. Um, yeah. Can we just pause right there? Can you um, describe the journey of your soul not being able to settle there? Ah... Hmm. Uh, 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 I remember my friend inviting me. Um, I think it was called like a center that they would go to. Um, but I remember like going and I don't even remember clearly what we would do. I guess you could say it was a form of meditation. Yeah. But I remember taking the books home and my sister asking, uh, we're Christians. Why do you have those Buddhism books in the house? I'm like, I mean, well, we're not real Christians because we can't even tell anybody anything like 
Um, but I remember like when I would go in the center or even when I would get invited, it just didn't feel right. Like, even though I didn't know who Holy Spirit was, I really do believe that I was having convictions um, in me going to the center. And so I think I went like two times and I just couldn't go back. And I was, even though I was questioning God and just anything about him, I just couldn't settle there. Like it just wasn't for me. Wow. That is so beautiful. I mean, because it's like, you know, we know he created us Mm -hmm. and we read in Genesis how he's fashioned us. And even before we actually walk out our salvation and our choice of surrendering to him, it's so beautiful how he redirects us back to him. Like he directs us back to his light. Wow. That's beautiful. (laughs) It's funny because I never read past Genesis growing up because I, unless like the church would be in that, um, in another book, but me on my own time, I literally would wrestle with Genesis. So I stayed in Genesis because I could never move past that. But that (laughs) makes sense. Like if I'm constantly rereading the same parts, like within me, like I'm knowing like this is it, whether I believe it's true or not, or even though I don't understand certain things, I kept going back and I would reread the same thing. So that makes sense of why I wouldn't settle there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. One to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Go, let's, um, let's hear your story, girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, dabbled in Buddhism. I remember that. Uh, I went back to identifying with God after I didn't settle there. Um, But I still didn't know God personally or even know how to walk out faith. I hadn't accepted him in my uh, heart for myself. Um, And so I was still questioning, um, but still, I guess, identifying as a Christian, you would say. Like a holy Um, curiosity of him. Yes, yes, yes. Senior year, I remember being told uh, the world is mine, having options for college because of my GPA, my rank. And then also being in a homosexual relationship with someone who I thought I would marry um, after six months. I didn't label myself as anything, so I I never, I don't think I classified as bisexual or any of that. But I had a curiosity, um, a crush, you would say, because of one of the sexual abuses I had with a female when I was younger. And the crush, the person that I had a crush on, identified as a lesbian. I had never received the love and acceptance or even had someone fight for me against their family's wishes or beliefs until this person. Mm-hmm. I never had someone love me back as much as I loved them um, until her. Fast forwarding a bit, senior year I was told by my teacher moms uh, I had a choice between Hampton University or Spelman, the top HBCUs, because I was a recipient of the Gates Millennium Scholarship which meant because of my um, socioeconomic status and estimated need being the entire amount, I had a full ride into the school of my choice um, slash acceptance, you know. Um, so I chose Hampton University. I didn't wow. want to be around all females. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, just like that opportunity that God has blessed you with to like pay for, like he legitimately paid for a full ride scholarship. Like that's awesome. It, It is um, because before that moment, I did not see um, past high school. But when I came to Virginia, uh, I left behind my support team, my teachers, 
extended family, and my girlfriend at the time to start the second half of my life. I say that because, like, I really didn't see past high high school um, because of the mantra spoken over me from myself, the negative voices in my head uh, that I had that I heard from my home life um, along the journey of life. I had a handful of teachers, counselors, uh, friends, parents that would speak life into me, affirm me, encourage me, um, but it's not something I embraced or even believed for myself. It was now when I would walk out the plans that had been spoken over me from folks back in Texas. I left behind the feelings of having no hope because I was literally walking out what seemed to be a miracle for me I didn't realize this in the process, though, of preparing to leave Texas until I was getting dropped off at the airport um, out there to start this new chapter of life on my own. At least I thought it was on my own. Uh, The entire time of traveling, I couldn't wrap my mind around um, this entire thing. Uh, I couldn't wrap my mind around the adventure being of luck. I didn't believe it was by luck that I had received a full ride of scholarship out of over 10,000 people. Um, definitely not. De- definitely not. Um, <laughs> to any school of my choice. I believe my soul knew that this God that was so faint and distant um, that I, I truly believe that he handpicked me mm. and blessed me with something no man could ever uh, bless me with. Like literally, I know that no one around me, as many people affirmed me, encouraged me, like could not pay my entire tuition for the next whatever amount of years. Um, so I really did believe that it was him. I believed I was handpicked uh, and that he had a plan for me. Um, my support system, those who were my voice of reason, um, I would have to leave that. But I think then I I was just fascinated with the fact that I was picked out of over 10,000 people for the rest of my life uh, of this big blessing. I knew that from here on out, um, I wouldn't be the cycle carrier of my bloodline, but that I was going to get to know who this God was that literally handpicked me and rescued me. I joined the gospel choir and God put believers in my path that were recipients of my scholarship as well as who lived in my dorm. I remember joining the gospel choir And there was a prayer request time. (laughs) And I openly shared about my relationship back home uh, because I wanted to know about Jesus. And I and like I didn't know anything else about the Bible, but I knew that homosexuality wasn't something God blessed or condoned. Um, I laugh now because it's just like I don't know these people like well back then I didn't know these people. But the fact that I just felt so like open to share is just like. Yo, (laughs) that's wild. (laughs) Um, I had a conference for my scholarship and one of the two girls who is now uh, my sister in Christ, um, she was on the train um, from my school as well. She loved Jesus. And before she could even like lay her down to go to lay her head down to go to sleep, um, I slid in the seat next to her and I asked her, I said, I want to, and these are my exact words. I said, I want to love Jesus, but I have a girlfriend. I was like, what do you say about that? Um, I told her, I like, I had, I, I desired to know more of him. Um, and I would go to anybody who, who seemed like they knew him personally just to get to know him. After that moment, um, the quest was on. I remember her responding about the love of Jesus. So she wasn't like, 
um, saying anything negative or to even make me feel convicted. Like she was challenged as a believer just to share his love. Um, but yeah. I remember there being a janitor in my dorm um, who the Lord put in my path. He was also an elder at his church and he gave me my first Bible that I could actually read. To this day, I still use that Bible um, to cross-reference. But um, I never had a Bible that I could read, which is why that was so huge because I would often get stuck. I guess it was like the little green Bible, um, New Testament and Old Testament. I had two of them, but I would often stumble on the words and not understand it. So I would always go back and restart. But this Bible, I could actually read. He directed me to Romans 10, 9. Um, says, so you will be saved if you say that Jesus is Lord and believe with all your heart that God raised him from death. He invited me to his church. Him and his wife would come and pick me up and take me to their church where I had my first foot washing and later ended up getting baptized and saved. Um, Can you share your foot washing ceremony experience with us? I can. Um, so as I look back, um, I guess uh, people will do it in a uh, the opposite way, like they'll get baptized and then later on in their walk, they'll get their feet washed. But for yeah. me, it was the opposite. Um, and that's clearly God orchestrating because in that moment, I got to learn more about just the servanthood of Jesus wow. um, and him teaching his disciples um, what love and humility is. Um, and so in that moment for me, like I didn't feel less than I didn't feel like I wasn't worthy of receiving this because literally as they're washing my feet, they're teaching me who Jesus is and mm. what he's done for me um, and how we are supposed to walk that out, which for me, that was a blessing because there in this time, I didn't know certain things and it's teaching me, which leads me up to uh, getting baptized later. Yeah. No, that is very powerful. Um, that experience seems very powerful, and I can see why that has had a huge, like that was so pivotal for your shift in him. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that sealed it for me. Uh, later on, uh, I ended up giving my life to him. Um, and asking him to lead me and teach me um, because there was a lot that I didn't know. Um, but I would start to read my word um, and journal with him. And I felt this tug later on to break up with my girlfriend um, at the time because of my faith and wanting to love him more and love him wholeheartedly without parts of me breaking his heart um, intentionally, I I would say because that is something that I choose and from the begin or that I chose and from the beginning, I knew that um, that was something that stood between me and him. Um, wow! So that was hard for me uh, because she definitely felt filled a heart um, a place of rejection um, and abandonment and provided the intimacy that I longed for growing up. Um, but I knew that she had become an idol. Um, at that, like, later on, I knew that she had become an idol. Before then, I didn't because I didn't know exactly what an idol was. But as I think back on it, um, that's when I knew. Yeah, I, I'm just, um, I'm speechless right now because from what I'm hearing from your story and even when you said, like, yeah, it was hard, um, I feel like 
we need to know exactly how hard that was. I mean, literally, you came into the road, like God put you on a path and saying like, hey, you're going to have to give her up for me. Um, how was that? How was giving up the very thing that was rewriting so many lies, you know, like you said earlier in your story that um, you didn't feel worthy. No one fought for you. No one um, joined alongside of you and just said that they loved you and that you mattered to the point that they were willing to stand beside you and love you even, even when people are saying not to. And so now you've like embedded in that life, right? Like now you're with a person who's rewrote so many negative ideas and God is saying, Hey, I want that too. Hmm. And so I want to know, even though you said it wasn't easy, it was hard, but I want to know, like, how was it to give up the very thing that was near and dear to your heart for him? Um, hmm. So, I remember, so I can share the process yeah. of that time. Um, I remember spring break going to um, Henrico County with my big brother um, from school. And that's when I chose to officially break up with her. Um, and I remember being challenged with, okay, so Lord, if I'm I'm giving this up, like I'm laying this before you as hard as this is, I'm in as much as this person means to me um, and I don't know how to turn to you um, in exchange for what I'm handing over um, I remember trying to lean back on old voices um, for instance my teachers uh, those who did practice and you know now that I think about it it's just like it doesn't make sense but I very much ran to those who were in the lifestyle to help guide me through this. Um, I'll just tell you now, uh, when they were talking to me or sharing their experience, mm -hmm. it didn't make sense to me. And it didn't, it didn't make me uh, turn back on giving that up because it's like, no, I, I know what I felt and I knew what needed to happen. Um, and so that week I, I was grieving. Um, Literally, I was locked up in a room. I had locked myself up in a room, just crying out um, and reading the word um, and just rereading and rereading and rereading and asking him, all right, Lord, like, this is what I feel. This hurts. This like, these are all the feelings that are connected to this person. These are all the feelings that I've, I've numbed or I've allowed myself to think they're fixed because of this person here on earth coming in and fulfilling them. Um, and this is who I've turned to in solution to what I felt. And so being that they were all exposed, all open because I'm uh, uh, cutting off this person and I'm now choosing not to have this curiosity or this um, even idea of thinking it's okay to be with another woman. Um, I, I needed him to come in and be the solution. I had to grieve what I thought was right, um, what I thought was love, and allow for him to be the one who held my heart. Um, 
and teach me his way and his love. Um, this by no means um, was easy because I had to die to my thought patterns and desires that weren't aligned with his truths. Um, but I was willing to do that. I wanted him that much that I was willing to put to death my fairy tale love story. Wow. That is incredible. And as you were talking, I couldn't help but to see how even in the deepest part of your life, the hardest part of your life, there's a foreshadowing of his resurrection just in your story. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we really just took time and paused right there, you literally thought you really met somebody for the first time that stood up for you. You've never had that before until you met her, right? Yeah. And that's the deception of Satan. Like Satan will bring us something that sounds similar to Jesus. Satan will package something up so nice that mirrors, that kind of looks like what Jesus did. Because truly the only person that who's really has, who really has done that for us is him. He's the only one who stood up and said, you know what, Father, I'm coming down and I'm coming down and I'm gonna clothe myself in flesh yeah. and I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna take the hits. I'm gonna take the spits. I'm gonna take the destruction of my reputation for the one. And when going through your story, like God was saying like, hey, can I take that deception that Satan played over you? Can I take that away? And then can I be the form? Can I come in and be that everlasting sacrifice for you? Can I come and be the one to stand up for you? Can I be the one who's going to not be ashamed of you? Who's going to put you on a pedestal with me and to share your glory to the world and show that, hey, look at my masterpiece. She is mine and she is who I died for. And how beautiful that is to know that when he asks you to give up, when he asks us to give up our idols, that he's going to come and be the, the he's going to come and take place of the things that we're holding on to. And it we get to hold on to him for eternity. Yeah. How beautiful. Wow. That is beautiful. Um so I, to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said I didn't go back um, because I did for maybe four months, but it wasn't the same. Um, the time before then, uh, or the time before um, breaking up with her to the time after breaking up with her, they were completely different. Um, it, it really is like that fairy tale love story broke. Um, and even though I went back, it just wasn't the same at all. Um, the connection that was once there was not anymore. Um, and I had to repent for turning back to my sin and pursued him even more after that. Um, trusted him even more after that. I had a relationship with the Lord, but I didn't know um, my identity in him. And so that's something that was exposed. I was still wearing the rejection, um, the misfit. The not being good enough labels uh, because that's how I was treated by um, 
the believers that I once considered my family after uh, coming to Virginia, as well as growing up. Um, and so that very much fed into the lies that I believed from back home. My last year of undergrad, um, fast forwarding a bit, I remember crying on the steps of my off-campus housing, asking the Lord, what's next? I didn't know what surrender was outside of laying down my sins in exchange for his truths and asking him to come in and be the solution, um, the way of living. And this is where he began to show me where I still held on to the voices back home. My teachers who had the greatest impact, influence on my life and, and basically leaning on them to guide me. But in this time of me asking him, what's next? Um, I knew that I needed to trust and ask him what he has for me. Again, I had to lay down another idol. Um, I remember the Lord saying, I've brought you this far and this isn't it. Do you trust me? God sh soon showed me and directed my steps and led me into a profession that very much changed <laughs> the trajectory of my life years prior to this moment, teaching. I graduated and stayed in Virginia, where he literally orchestrated every step, job, and position leading up to teaching. He had people coming into the places I worked before teaching that would speak into my life and remind me of the promises that he had spoken to me um, in his word. They didn't know me, um, so it's not like it was a familiar face coming into my job to speak to me, but the Lord knew me and he, he saw me. And because he saw me, he wanted to remind me of the work that he'd begun in me. After being out here for four years and learning how to walk with God in faith and trust him and lay down each idol, um, I was then faced with laying down one that I had never even saw coming. I was blindsided by my granny's death because my family respected her wishes, wishes of not telling me how sick she was. Um, and in traveling to visit her, I found out she was on hospice and didn't even make it out of the East Coast before being notified that she had passed. My granny was my foundation. She was my rock. She's been the reason that um, I held on at times because I knew that her love was always there, no question about it. After I lost her during my time of grieving, um, I was very vulnerable and I turned to sex to numb me of the void I felt. I allowed my broken heart to push me away from Christ. I definitely didn't allow my faith to carry me because I was upset at God for taking my tootie away from me. I ran for about five months, church hopping from time to time, but still mad at him, still filling that void until God put a colleague um, at work, who's now my sister um, in Christ, and she invited me to church. Um, I didn't know that God would meet me there that day and that this church would become my first church home. I was still dabbling in my void fillers for about six more months until I joined the worship team and the Lord told me I can't be on a platform living a double life. I was then challenged to face the loss of my idol and surrendered that temporary pleasure that I found myself running to and then running to the altar after I had fallen into it again. It took me five months of constant surrendering, writing scriptures on my wall, and crying out at night and at the altar for that stronghold to be broken. God delivered me from that stronghold and started to work on the identity uh, that, that was found in my granny um, and lost when I lost her. That's what I was really surrendering, the loss of my identity and asking God to heal me and fulfill this void. I still don't know how to have complete dependency on the Lord and I or I still didn't know how to have complete dependency on the Lord. And I found myself operating in codependency because of the amount of 
trauma, rejection, and abandonment that I had experienced. From that last turning over of an idol, the Lord continued the work he began before I started running. He began to take off layer by layer, and he started to speak into my identity and teaching me about the freedom that Christ offers. I had never in my life I had never in my life heard about those things. Only the salvation that Christ offered. This is where my relationship with him started to grow deeper and my worship started to change because because he was having me to hand over hurts little by little. God allowed me to be able to go on a mission trip for 3 years in a row and each one showed me new depths of his love for me and revealed what was next in my process of journeying with him. Each one has its role in my journey, but I believe that the second one was the catalyst for where I am today in my journey. At the end of the second one, I got baptized for the third time, my <laughs> last time. <laughs> but this time was different because it wasn't planned. But the Lord wouldn't quit nudging me and needing to seal what I was feeling in the spirit. He brought to remembrance the message that one of the pastors at my church preached on grave clothes. And I kept like the message was about grave clothes and us wearing old labels that we wore before Christ. And I kept getting the images of the jacket that was a prop in the message um, and that jacket needing to come off. And so when they asked if anyone else wants to be baptized, I spoke up and I spoke before the moment to those witnessing about what this meant for me, how I no longer wanted to wear the old labels of rejection, abandonment, not being good enough or worth it, but surrendering those things in the ocean and coming up as a new being once again. Since that moment, I have been walking out my surrender. Wow. Wow. Your story has definitely taught us a lot. I mean, I am like thinking of all the things that you have taught me with your surrendering story and your salvation. But one thing that keeps getting highlighted is how through your story, I was taught how surrendering to God may in fact bring me to surrender my own idols, right? the things that makes us feel good or that comforts us um, or the things that are keeping us bound from growing deeper in Him. And I know other people can relate to me when I say how sometimes when God asks for the idols, I can't, I can't stop hearing Satan implant these thoughts in my mind of wanting to go back. Yeah. Um, and I love how you shared that because it made me feel like you get it. You know, you, you said the very things that I battled with, you know, um, or battle, still battle. And so I just want to be a student from you right now. And mm -hmm. I just want to know, since you have had to give up idols for him and very much you've been on the other side where you've relapsed and then he brings you right, he brings you out of that again, right? Mm -hmm. Going through that process with him in that circle, have you ever regretted? Regret what? Like, have you ever regret giving up your idols for him? I do not. Um, I have not <laughs> regretted giving up my idols for him only because of. And even though in the moment or maybe in the first few, however long the process is, in the first few moments or days or 
whatever is a small significant amount of time in that process, um, I very much may in the first few moments, but it's in the process as I go deeper in the process and I trust him more um, and walking it out and keeping my eyes fixed on him and remembering what is on the other side, even though sometimes I don't, just in the history that I've had with him, um, I very much don't um, regret laying down idols before him, even when there is a piece of unknown, um, not knowing what's coming in and replacing it. The fact that I know him and the fact that I know his history mm. um, very much supersedes that um, temporary fix or that temporary satisfaction, pleasure, whatever thing it is, whatever idol is there, I very much know that he's going to come in and do way more than what the idol was doing for me. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Almost like standing on his character. Like we have to really stand on his character, knowing who he is, meditating on him to give us the strength to be able to lay it down for him. Wow. Thank you for that teaching. I definitely love how at the end you said the moment that I, I keep ever since th- that moment, ever since your past and your salvation story, like you, you still have to keep walking out your surrender. And I love that because it's a reminder to us that surrendering to God wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't just when we gave our life to Him, but it's a continual journey with Him. We have to continually surrender to Him day by day, moment by moment, second by second, that every day we get to choose to surrender to Him. We get to give up our free will. We get to give up our desires and we get to surrender everything to Him throughout our day, throughout our weeks, throughout our months, throughout our years. And I love that reminder because as humans, when we, like, it's like we are driven by walking out things in a checklist, right? Like we have planners and we have all these things to keep us organized. And we get like a sense of thrill that once we get to check the box off, like it's done. Mm -hmm. And we kind of set it aside in our mind. Um, And I would be lying to say that I, I have done that when it comes to surrendering to Jesus. I have checked off my my dots. You know, I've gotten baptized. I've asked for the holy fire, right? And like, I get to like scratch that off the list and not knowing that I actually have to keep cultivating that. Like I, like we actually have to keep nurturing those um, moments, those faith builders. And so I love your reminder to us that it's a continuing thing. It's a journey process. And it's something that we have to do day to day. And I love that we get to do it with him. I love that every moment when he asked you to give up something for him, that he was there with you and he was there after you did it. And so I just am so encouraged by that. And I thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And for those of you who don't know her, um, this is, this has, this is a step of faith for her. Um, my best friend isn't really good at sharing her story. She's not really Mm -hmm. good at, um, sharing who she is um, and what God has done. And you have to kind of get her in the right moment to really allow her to pour out all that is within her. And 
So just for her coming on the podcast and just <laughs> sharing um, this story with strangers is absolutely incredible. And I know that God is going to bless you for your faithfulness. Um, and I know that this is going to be, this is deeper than just coming on, helping your friend. Mm-hmm. But this is something that is going to shift your guys's intimate relationship. And so I thank you for using this as a stepping stone and a pivotal moment in your life. And I hope you guys as listeners were just as encouraged as I was. Um, And so I do have to ask you, can you bless us with a prayer on just helping us um, to take that leap of faith and surrender it all for him? I can. Lord, I just thank you. Um, I thank you for this opportunity um, to be able to share what you've done within me what you've done in my journey with you, God. Father, I thank you for this being able to um, speak to others, Lord. I thank you for using this time um, now as well as in the future um, in what you're going to do for others, God. I thank you for just this being able to minister to others and bless others and speak into others who may not know you as well as those who do know you and mm-hmm. and may have become passive um, with their faith um, for you, Lord. Yes. Father, I ask that you would encourage those listening. Father, that you would speak into the surrendering process that they have, Lord, with you and, and, and encourage them and allow them to know that it looks different for each person that it's there's no steps in this besides stepping with you and allowing you to um walk them through the process god i thank you that it's not something we arrive at but it's something that is ongoing um with you there's no uh set amount of days there's no set amount of time god but there's just time with you in the process so father i ask that you would just encourage those listening that you would speak to their faith, yes, Lord. that you would speak to their heart, that you would um, come in and, and speak to the idols that people are still holding on to, as well as us, Lord. Um, yes. We're not speaking from a place of having arrived, but we're speaking from a place of continuing to choose you and continuing to journey with you. So, Father, I ask that you would just use this within our lives, within those listening Um, And allow this to just minister and and to advance your kingdom here, Lord. Father, I ask that you would continue to speak into the hearts for those who have a story that they're sitting on, for them to share it, Lord God, that we know that it's it's in our, our testimony and it's in praising you and speaking of the work that you've done, that you're able to minister to others and and bring others uh, along for the ride with you, God. Father, I thank you that this isn't just the moment, but this is for eternity with you. And I thank you that yes, it's it's our free will that we get to offer back to you, Lord, in what you're doing for us, what you've done for us, and what you're going to do for us. Father, I thank you in advance for what is going to come from this. And I thank you in, uh, in advance for the, the many <laughs> surrenders that are going to happen from this. Yes, Father, I thank you. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, sweet friend. You're so welcome. All right, listeners. 
That's it for today. Thank you so much for staying tuned and listening to us today. And next week, we will be digging deeper in surrendering our control. You don't want to miss it. See you soon. Bye.